0: hi my name is todd johnson and i'm here with chris gesteltz and jeff peterson to welcome you to grip a four episode podcast series about developing a deeper relationship with christ and each other through the four letters of the word grip i don't want to be in the world's grip i want to be in god's grip four letters four episodes some great guests and great scripture to guide us. So let's get a grip.
1: That's all right. Thank you. Then. <laughs> So here we are, here we are, in it's good to a very be back. natural environment here, it's great to be back, uh, welcome to episode, well, kind of two and a half. half, two and a half, we'll 2. talk about 5. why it's two and a half, but welcome back to GRIP <clears throat> season two, but one of the things that, that has transpired since the last time we all got together, and we're here, for those tuning in, we're here live uh, at Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Community here in um, Medina, Minnesota. What has transpired since we've last talked is we, GRIP, you all, thank you, all our, our, our audience here and Woo! those listening now, yep, there it was, uh, GRIP is now ranked in Apple as a, as, a, as a, we're ranked as a podcast, okay, so we're, we have a ranking in the thousands, maybe, I don't know, millions of podcasts out there, we are ranked, and we are ranked... Like you know, you have like the Billboard 100 or whatever. Like we're actually to the ranking where they track your your rankings. Wow, that' cool. Yeah. So, so, and that is that is that is thanks to you and thanks to people listening and you know glory and thanks to God.
0: Yeah, it was good. First shout out to Jesus. Now
1: I thought you know what I should just kind of look into this. I should just like double click just to kind of check like what you know just like. How long have we been ranked, you know, on yeah. we So we're about two hundred and sixteen is the ranking, which, you know, when you think of all the podcasts out there in the world. And that and then I looked a little bit closer and I was like, well, it's actually we're in the category of like <laughs> religious and you know, kind of spiritual podcasts. Yeah. But still, I mean you think of like there's a lot of religion and a lot of podcasts yeah. in the world, and so I mean, 216. That's, there's yeah. still like and Father Mike. Probably yeah, we're coming has, for like, you, Father Mike. Watch out! Yeah, exactly. Objects right, right. in
2: Mir are closer than they appear. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're coming yeah. for you.
1: Yeah, and you, know, you think of it, 217, 218, 219. They're all behind us, right? We're all behind you. The <laughs> so then I looked a little bit further, and, and I I can't I can't confirm this, but I did I, I did uh, triple click on the on the ranking. It might, it might just be in Taiwan. <laughs> that might be our ranking. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Hey. So, so we might be 216 in Taiwan.
0: What does the word say until the, the word is preached to all nations, brother? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Exactly. We're starting we in Taiwan. So yeah. it's kind of like uh, David Hasselhoff was huge in Germany. Huge. You know, and then huge. So
1: anyway, but yeah. uh, whether it's just Taiwan or maybe... Is it really just Taiwan? I, well, there was this little flag next to our ranking. And so I clicked <laughs> on it. Oh, <that's>, that <laughs> anyway. changes things. So, anyway, yes. we're back here. It's great to be here. This is, like we said, this is, this is not the second episode of the season. It's kind of two and a half because the other thing that transpired uh, since our first episode, our live episode, was you two had a wonderful opportunity to have uh, a, a bonus episode of Grip Season 2 with bonus. no chump of a guest, Chris and yeah. so I thought maybe before we jump into tonight, give us a little bit of a recap. I'm sure everybody here has listened to it, everybody out there has listened to it. <laughs> Clearly the Taiwanese have listened to it, um, and uh, tell us a little bit about just
2: what that experience was like. So he reached out to us after our huge Taiwanese following. Yes, found um, out. And, uh, Yeah found Yeah, we just reached out to him and see if he was interested, and just by the grace of God, he was in town, and moved a flight and we ended up, we couldn't do it live for a number of reasons. And so we, I mean, it was at one point live, I guess. Um, but we just met uh, at this incredible studio, my friend Nate Reinhardt, you guys know probably. Um, he has a studio in his attic at his house and we met up in St. Paul at Old Attic Recordings or whatever it's called. And, and uh, he had it all set up, you know, in that nice, nice little spot on the couch for Chris. And then I'm on a piano bench and you had a stool and we just got up there and met the man and riffed for a couple minutes and then press record and and we just talked about this beautiful incredible thing of grip and I think it just worked mm-hmm. it did you know? and I think he liked
0: it because it's actionable it's not over kind of right up my alley so uh mm-hmm. you know it was a blessing to get to, together with him and uh yeah, it was. It was. You were missed. Let's be. Let's be very frank on that. It was yeah. not the same not having you there. Oh, I appreciate it. But the conversation for those just, and this is
1: not going to land well at all uh, in the audio listening audience. But for
2: those in the room, show of
1: hands. Have, is, how many people have had a chance? to listen?
2: Hundreds of hands hundreds raised. Hundreds of hands hundreds are going up of, right now. Fingers raised. Uh, legions <laughs> of hands.
1: But, but for those that, that have heard it, I mean, in one thing, in all seriousness, it seems so natural. It was like listening. It's like you guys like, grew up together. And how, so how did that, what do you attribute that to? Is that just I, the
0: Holy Spirit in the room just like, hey, this is going to work? Or, or did you just click immediately? I mean, I, I've had a, a secret man crush on him because I, I love what he does for the kingdom. Yeah. I love literally he does not mince words. And he is a force for Christ. And so when we met, um, it was a little bit of a, you know, we, we actually just asked him, we're going to pray and we're going to talk about what this represents. And, and it was, I mean, not to be funny on this, uh, you know, it, it was, it was a, just a Holy Spirit kind of thing. He's like, I love this. And you, if, you, if you listen to that episode... And we have had thousands of views or listens. For a while. I'll just tell yeah, no, the Taiwanese, yeah. if I'm saying that correctly, apparently really love it. But but what he what he said too is that you know it's it's just we we can overcomplicate things in church sometimes. And, and this yeah. was this was just something that resonated with him of saying this is ways to draw guys closer to Christ. And uh, so I think he his mojo, the Holy Spirit there, and. Um, and and have a Nate and and my new hired Tanner there. That was awesome. And yeah, it was just a, it was a perfect yeah. morning. It really was.
1: One of the things, and just now we're going to segue into the actual show tonight, uh, is that I loved that he said, and I'm going to butcher this, but you know he was talking about uh, one of the things that us guys, as men, fall into sometimes is feeling like we have to fit our um, hmm. time. T- In community and and with uh, God, we have to we have to fit it in outside of like prime time. Okay, we got to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and hit the Bible study, or we got to you know. And and what I loved uh, essentially one of his one of his messages was you know you got to like get a little bit like you got to prioritize that like that's that's prime time. That's not stuff you like sneak in and make apologies for or concessions for that you've got to be able to feel as good about prioritizing that out of your day as anything else. I just thought the way you said that was great.
2: Yeah, that really struck me too. It's like, why are all men's groups at four in the morning? (laughs) Like, There's a men's holy hour. It's at midnight, you know, like it's because we have all these, we feel these responsibilities the rest of our life, but our number one responsibility is to worship God, right? Is to be with God. And that includes the time that we're with our brothers in group. And, and in fact, that's what makes us, Good husbands and good fathers and and whatever. And I think um, we had a, a priest here who used to say uh, the best thing that a man can do for his children is to love his wife, to love their mother. And I and I think with all due respect, that's a beautiful sentiment. But the best thing a man can do for his children is to love God first. Totally. Yeah.
1: Well, hey, let's get uh, let's get to tonight's uh, uh, show, big show if you will. So this is is really fun for folks uh, that are tuning in maybe for the first time, maybe missed the first. Couple of episodes with grip. This is a fantastic idea uh, that Todd uh, came up with a few years back, and so we're going to take each letter uh, of the word grip and d- devote one episode towards it. So tonight is all about G, about groups, about small groups. Todd, wants you to remind folks of what the G really stands for and kind of what how that fits into to this this kind of. Uh, uh, model of grip.
0: Yeah, so there's, you know, with, with the letter grip, or the word grip, the four letters, so tonight we're going to hone in on the word G, or the letter G, and, and just these two roads that we can take as men. Uh, one is to be in the world's grip, and that G stands for I'm just going to go it alone. It's just going to be me, and I know of many people in my life. In fact, I had a guy in my office last week just sharing with me very transparently that he's just going it alone, and it's not working out too well. And to be in God's grip, the G stands for no, i got to be in a group setting. i got to be with other uh, believers that are, that are helping me along in this journey of life to help me stay accountable to not only uh, all the day-to-day stuff, but also stay accountable to being in his word and, and in prayer and things like that. So the, the grip, I don't want to be in the world's grip and, and go it alone. I want to be in God's grip and, and be involved with a group. And that's what tonight's focus is about.
2: Yeah, in season one we talked about that classic Proverbs, right, that iron sharpens iron, and just as one man sharpens another. And I think that's a beautiful sentiment, but I think this idea of the importance of being a group actually goes deeper to our, almost our deepest identity. Um, you know, in Genesis says that we're made in the image and likeness of God, right? And we know that Jesus Christ has revealed to us that God himself is a community. God himself is Father, Son, and Spirit. And if we're going to really image God in our life, well, we can't be doing this alone, right? We have to be with others in seeking to follow Jesus Christ and seeking just to be the, the incredible men that we were made to be. You know, through all of our baptisms, um, we were baptized priest, prophet, and king. And, and everyone knows that to do any of those three things, none of those three things are done perfectly alone. And so, to do those things well, to fulfill that that calling, that high calling that we have in our baptism, oh man, we gotta we gotta deal with other people. Yeah. Um, and how many how many terrible things have happened in the world because a guy tried to go alone, hmm. and either something terrible happened because he didn't have his brothers with him, or he didn't have that accountability. I think every every major uh, I shouldn't say every, but like major downfalls in the world yeah. you know, because guys aren't doing it alone. They aren't with each other. And I think it's because we were made to be with others. We we're made to do this together. And also it's it's part of the joy of living, right? Like, I mean, there are certainly times we need to be alone, but living this wonderful life, this incredible gift that we have of every day is when we get to see our brothers in Christ. Yeah. So I don't know. I think the church has a strong, a strong call for each of us and, and the Lord has a strong call for each of us to, in our deepest identity to do this this mission that we're on to live well and to do it with others. Yeah. So that's why I'm really excited to have uh, our special guest tonight. Um, I've known uh, Father Bryce Evans for a number of years—five, six years, something like that, and counting. And counting. My my wife says if we ever bring a priest on vacation with uh, with us, it's going to be <laughs> Father, Father <laughs> Evans. And um, I think it's just because he has great taste in wine, but uh, he's. <laughs> Uh, he's a good man who thinks deeply and, and every time that, that we get to hang out together, Father, I'm, I'm just so excited to, to spend that time with you but also I know it's not going to be a fluff conversation hmm. that we're going to say something uh, important and in fact you're going to ask me a question that's going to get me to to go really to the heart of the matter. So I hope that's what happens tonight because now I've built it up. Um, I was going to say, until now, <laughs> until, until now, right. today. If you'll welcome up Father Bryce Evans coming up, buddy. Good to see you.
3: Yeah, great to be here,
2: nice. and
3: thanks for the, you know, no pressure type of inter- introduction. <laughs> yes. Well, can I can I
0: can I just tell my one of my favorite Father Evans stories really quick? Is that okay? Yeah. Do I have, yeah. Just I don't know if you remember this. <clears throat> my family and I met Father Evans at a movie theater to go see The Incredibles, Part Two.
3: We met before, I think. We met before, yeah. right,
0: but, but, <laughs> but Father Evans hadn't been to a theater in a while, so when, I, when we got to the theater and I said, you want something to drink? He's like, yeah, sure, Like, I'll take a water. I'm like, no, 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 Like, do you want like, an adult beverage? And he said, adult beverage? I'm like, yeah, that's what movie theaters do now. So um, long story short, when we got our, our nice gin and tonics, we sat next to each other. As the movie was starting, I don't know if you remember this, but you, you cheersed me and you said, this is Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And so now, now everybody
3: g- knows that I have good taste in wine and I like gins and tonics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Well, Father Thank Evans,
1: you. I am clearly the only person up here who doesn't have a, a drinking story about <laughs> you or any. So, so maybe for the benefit of, uh, of myself and uh, and our listeners um, who maybe aren't familiar uh, with you, why don't you just uh, just give us a little bit of? I mean, and and, and I should remind everybody who's here and listening, uh, the guests that we have on Grip are sort of uh, they embody whatever letter we're talking about. And so we're eventually going to get to uh, sort of a very unique kind of cool reason, other than just being a very cool guy, that Father Evans is here. But on the way to that, maybe just give us a little bit of your background, how you ended up kind of doing what you're doing, and and how you find yourself here at this uh, crazy little podcast.
3: Yeah, I grew up here in Minnesota, not far from this parish, just a few miles north in the town of Corcoran, outside of Minneapolis. And... um, thought I was a normal person, you know, and so I was pretty <laughs> sure that I wasn't going to be a priest or anything, but then I got to college and found my faith uh, deepened pretty quickly, uh, thanks to making some good friends who were teaching me the ways of prayer and fellowship, and some of them were discerning, and I also met a few uh, quote-unquote normal priests along the way, and made me reconsider some things, so long story short, it was through uh, that time of deepening of faith that I felt the, the call of vocation uh, start Pinging in my heart, I did spend a few years after college discerning with a, a religious order, the Society of Jesus, of the Jesuits. Uh, to step back from that after a few years, but then felt the call reaffirmed through some volunteer work uh, with some young adult ministries in Wisconsin, and re-entered seminary and was ordained in 2017. My first assignment was here at Holy Name of Jesus. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, were you?
0: Were you, Did you do a brief stint in corporate? America, no. no. So you were not? No. You
3: were not I'm not w- corporate competent. Okay, no. so when
0: you were, but you were, <laughs> thank God. I mean, how long of a journey was that, though, from, because you were kind of.
3: It took me, you know, sometimes God has to work a long time on us. It took me about 12 years to get our day okay. into, after college. Okay, yeah. Okay.
1: yeah. Well, and like when I was, because I, I, was, I was snooping on you a little bit online, just kind of, because that's, um, I get notifications. Because you know, that's cause what you it's can. for. That's what it's for. But, but no, it was a, like a 10 year journey. I mean, mm-hmm. from the time that you graduated to the time mm-hmm. you were ordained. And one of the things that it was very apropos and not by design for tonight's episode, but but as the Holy Spirit would work, um, and probably led to the work that you're doing around um, uh, um, what we are going to talk about in a little bit. I'm just, this is the, the longest tease ever. But, um, those 10 years were spent in, communi- in community. Like, you, mm-hmm. like it wasn't this sort of, like, isolationist, like, I just got to find myself kind of a thing. I mean, you were, what you know, you found yourself, whether it was at the reservation or in the society. So how conscious were you during those 10 years that you weren't, like, the lily pads you were hopping to were already being, <laughs> they were already populated. You know what I mean? Like, you weren't just doing this
3: you and a Bible figuring out what your calling was. It was with others. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'm just like anybody else. It's easy to fall into the temptation to thinking you're alone even when you're not alone. Maybe that's one of the great lies that afflicts us in human life, right? That uh, we can think we're alone, but the truth is we're never actually alone. We might, in our thoughts and in our self-consciousness, be alone, but we never are. So I think it was a gradual realization that as I was going through this time and sometimes having very difficult moments of not knowing where the Lord was leading me, not knowing how to make sense or heads or tails what was going on in my life, and thinking I was maybe all alone. <laughs> uh, gently, the Lord showed me the fact that I was, in fact, not alone, and that the only way for me to understand my, my path, my history, my future was in terms of the people the Lord has put in my life. And yeah. it's really when I started looking and paying attention to that, that things opened up. Yeah. What um, was that like? I'm just thinking
0: of you growing up down the street. I mean, Corcoran isn't that far away. You get the first assignment to Holy Name. Were you? Did you have a moment with God there where you just laughed to go, really?
3: <laughs> I was nothing but excited, Todd. <laughs> OK, there you go. Praise God. So was
2: his mom, right? <laughs> yeah, I, like, right I had to this... give
3: ground rules to my mom about how, you know, how often she could show up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did she follow those rules? Uh, love you, mom, when you listen to She did. She's very, very uh, sensitive and respectful.
1: Yeah. So, so let's, let's get to the kind of the long tease now. And one of the things that, that, that makes everybody who's here who does know you, Father Evans, and those that are just meeting you, very excited to learn more about the cool work that you're doing now at St. Mary's, where you are, um, uh, I mean, it's just cool to be a priest, period, full stop. But uh, the specific work that you and your co-pastor are doing there To establish this, and this is like I have to write this down because this doesn't just roll off the tongue of Jeff Peterson, uh, the Oratory of Saint Philip Neri, a society of apostolic life, which is a, from what I've read on it and what we're going to hear more of, a very, literally divine group uh, of uh, in a community that you're building and choosing to live in, if I understand it correctly, Mm -hmm. as both an expression of, of faith, but also the mission of, of faith. So maybe just tell us, I mean, and this has been around, by the way, since, again, research here, the, since like the 1500s, okay, so this is not like a new thing. So we're not asking you to give us the entire, like, you know, uh, you know uh, whatever, chapter and verse on it. Um, but if you could just, you know, knock that out in the next 60 seconds, that'd be great. But maybe just tell us a little bit about about, just tell us a little bit about what this is, and then
3: how you found yourself leading it. Yeah, so yeah, put me on the timer. Um, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> no timer. But it's a, the, the oratory, it, it's a, a form of priestly communal living that was established by St. Philip Neri in Rome in the 16th century, right in the time of the Reformation, right in the time when there's a lot of fragmentation in the church, and also in a time when there was a, a good deal of disintegration of faith in the city of Rome. There's a lot of corruption amongst the faithful at that time. So there's a great need for renewal <laughs> of communion within the Church, yeah. um, and St. Philip just had this beautiful charism of the Holy Spirit, drawing people together to pray, to do charitable work, uh, to discuss the Word of God and um, uh, works of the saints together, and just to get, especially young men, he had a gift for, for doing this with young men, get them fired up <laughs> for the faith and wanting to devote themselves together to the service of God, and it just kind of organically developed into a way of life some of the people some of the young men who kind of his followers decided they wanted to start living together eventually they became priests they became they founded a way of life together and um, this way of life has been replicated in various cities across the world um, right down to our own age and it wasn't my idea to to get this started i kind of uh, fell into a group of other men who were thinking about this because, and the reason they started thinking about this is because they recognized that there's a lot that's similar about our times uh, to the times that St. Philip was living in. Also a time of great disintegration, uh, uh, splintering, uh, isolation, um, a a sense of a culture that's no longer supportive of Christian community, and therefore it's all the more important... For us to find ways, also as priests, to bind ourselves together.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's not—it's not an assigned thing. So it's not like every archdiocese, like, has one of these mm-hmm. uh, societies that they just have to like staff. You know, this isn't like a post that you know the church has. Like this, all comes from what I understand. These are organic uh, right. uh, uh, societies that that, mm-hmm. that develop
3: because they're responding to kind of this need or this this kind of call. And what's unique about it is it it occupies a a certain kind of uh, middle position within life of the church. It's not a religious order. In religious orders, the members take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Um, Certainly, all priests live... uh, uh, simplicity and chastity and obedience, but as you may have picked up from comments already made, I'm not excelling <laughs> in poverty. What as to do there? Saint Philip was very poor, so I got I got work to do. But uh, <laughs> uh, religious order is a community that's bound by the vows. Uh, Saint Philip um, didn't want that, not because he thought they were bad things; he thought they were wonderful things. But he wanted. I guess the word I'd say is a very organic community that is founded solely on men choosing every day to bind themselves together in charity. Yeah. Um, uh, and so it's what's called secular priests, secular not in a bad sense, just priests who are kind of normal priests yeah. out there working right. at, who are bind, binding themselves together in charity. Well, and I'm not going to
1: monopolize all of the questions here, but it does. it is fascinating, and I love it. And so one of the other little bits of... of uh, research that I found is that in these in these societies um, there's not a um, there are like some rules you know like I don't know how mm-hmm. do they kind of get set up and one of them that I read about was that at least two people uh, mm-hmm. need to be ordained like and but mm-hmm. but 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 as it was written it was at least two so does that mean that in this society like Can non-ordained
3: men be part of what you're building there? It's a community primarily of priests, but there can be brothers. And most most oratory houses in the world do have brothers. Okay. Um, But also in conjunction with the community of priests living together and praying together, there's also ideally supposed to be a lay community, uh, what's called the secular oratory, uh, which is a group of people who are committed to praying with the priests, receiving formation from the priests, and working with the priests in uh, the apostles of the church, right? Yeah.
0: Are these are these
3: brothers that you mentioned, are these
0: men discerning the priesthood? Or are they or are they just
3: some might be men in training for the priesthood, but not necessarily. There okay. can be brothers who are full fledged members of the community who uh, are just there to support the community. And okay. where and where do you take applications? for that. We're, <laughs> <set>. <laughs> We're not fully established yet. We're still uh, yeah. in process. So please pray for us. Yeah. I don't think Betsy would appreciate that. Does <laughs> she listen? I don't know. Exactly. Honey,
2: I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. So what are the sort of the attributes of this community of men? Like what are or the characteristics or the, uh, the charisms of this group? And so mm-hmm. two part question, which are the worst, but name those. And then what could we laymen who aren't part of an oratory learn in regards to our group? Our groups and being a part of a group, right? So I would say the charisms
3: are simply the charisms of Saint Philip and the things that really characterized him that that um, marked him um, were <clears throat> number one, joy in the Holy Spirit, right? Through the life of charity, um, he was just a man who was totally poured out, who opened himself radically to the Holy Spirit, and he just was suffused with joy, right? Um, partly because uh, he just was very, very keenly aware of the divine presence at all times. Yeah. He was a mystic. He had to have a, his altar boys uh, tell him little jokes before Mass to prevent him from going into rapture. Okay, <laughs> I'm not there yet. Uh, <laughs> I still need to focus just to get through. But, uh, <clears throat> uh so he was very joyful, and he's known for his practical jokes, for the funny penances he would assigned assign men to kind of needle their pride, things like this. Uh, there's a lot of great stories about that. Uh, but that joy is something that should characterize this community, that there'd be something infectious about the life of communal charity. They're living together that's attractive, that's drawing people to the gospel like honey. One of Philip's sayings is, you, draw, you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. Hmm. Um, and then the other thing would be, uh, rootedness in conversation around the Word of God. This is something that the early oratorian father says was just the foundation of what they were doing, what St. Philip did with people, is he helped them crack open the scriptures in what was called familiar discourse on the Word. Right, And sometimes this took the form of something like a Lectio Divina, a more meditative reason, reading. Sometimes it was um, simple preaching and explanation or com- commentary from one of the priests. Sometimes it was more open, free-flowing conversation about the Bible or a spiritual work. Um, but opening up that conversation in very natural manners mm-hmm. to help people encounter the Word of God—that would be the other key charism of the community. Yeah. Well, and the relatability.
1: You know, Chris, to your, to your second part of the question, I just—I and why I think this is such a a a interesting, but also kind of necessary thing for more men to even just be aware of is, you know, it's a very, um, you know, uh, again, back to the research that I was doing, it, you know, I talked about, you know, prayer, preaching, and the sacraments are kind of the core. Those are the core, the three big things that, that that this group is sort of, you know, pivoting around. And those same three things, like any, any of us in this room can be pivoting around those same things you know Mm -hmm. any of us can have a group of six guys that we get together with and we don't have to like shack up and live in the same house you know but but those three things are so
3: relatable Mm -hmm. you know that we can apply all three of them every day sometimes i say it can be hard to explain what the oratory is because it's very simple it's just (laughs) a place where uh, we're trying to gather energy or uh, concentrate energies to just do the church really well but it's the same thing that's the mad its the secret sauce of all good places you know (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. joy prayer uh the word of god rootedness in the sacraments you know close relationship
2: yeah i love that i love that idea that for men's community especially for men's small groups joy is an essential aspect you Mm -hmm. know like without that um we're gonna miss the mark somehow and it's joy in the holy spirit too like it's not Mm -hmm. just like frivolity or whatever but it's it's true deep deeply seated joy and i think some of my most joyful moments have been with brothers like at a mm. golf uh, uh, just somebody turned friend of my turned 40 and we had a golf thing yeah you were there that's right i forgot <laughs> and um, just guy didn't forget and We've we also had prayed together we had, yeah. we had mass we had mass in in the cabin it was amazing but like just the joy of being together and mm. and i don't think I, i'd stop smiling all weekend it was mm. just awesome so yeah that's a good i would love that
0: I've been walking with a quote today I was uh, I mean just last night I was with my dear friend Kurt and uh, we heard a quote from Mother Teresa who said the biggest problem in this world is loneliness mm-hmm. and that just that's just really st- struck me today as I just think about what we were gathering here tonight to do is to talk about being in a group and um, I guess I've never thought about that from a priest standpoint because the opposite of what, I mean, most priests, would we say 99.9% are just working at silos,
3: right? It doesn't necessarily mean that they're lonely men. I think True. most priests would say they're not, but it's certainly not, we shouldn't consider that actually a normal situation for priests in the church, in the history of the church. It's actually quite a rare and abnormal thing for priests to be kind of out alone as they are so often today. that's uh, more of a recent phenomenon due to um, debt. Um, Building? In fact, we built a lot in the 50s, for instance, and then there's a dive in the number of priests around uh, in later decades, and so we're dealing with a, a stretch right now. Um, but for most of Christian history, you know, the, guy, the idea of a priest living alone would have been exceptional, not the norm. And think about it, if, to the point that, points that you guys were making before, if it's essential to being a Christian that we live in communion with one another, that we have deep fellowship with one another, if being a Christian means encountering the personal God and the person of Jesus Christ in our relational manner, and that this is inseparable from also having relational communion with one another, if priests are going to lead that, it doesn't really make sense (laughs) (laughs) if they're living like loners, you know? And that's not to fault anybody for the situation we're in right now. It's just to say we... We need right now to find, and a lot of the young priests are, are convicted about this. We need to find ways, especially with the culture heading the way it's going, to find ways to bind together more intentionally. And where this is happening, not just in the oratory, there's a lot of other examples of where this is happening. Where this is happening, you can see great fruit. Yeah.
1: Well, in, in, in the oratory in what you're building, it, it'll, it'll, it'll be there. But even outside of that, you know, how, how does, as a, as a priest... Do you, um, and this is not uh, meant to be a leading question, but when I'm thinking of my own experience, when I've been in group situations and there's a priest uh, at the table, like I, it's great, like because you know I'm, I'm obviously part of the laity, and it's like, oh my gosh, great, we've got, we've got a, an authority here, you know, I've got somebody who I can really learn from, you know what, <laughs> yeah. what I mean, and who can, who I can really, and I'm always I'm feeling very greedy. I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna, you know, tell me, tell me. <laughs> What is it like as a priest, uh, or you don't you don't have to answer it for all priests, but for you? So, since being a priest, and you're now in groups of yes, you have groups with your brother priests, but you're also in groups with lay leadership, and you're you're you know in a position of both teaching, but you're also listening, and you're and so what is that experience like for you, and what do lay what what does the laity do? What does that community of laity do for you, as a, as a leader of the church? You know, and, mm. and again, this isn't meant to be a leading question of like it's great, I love you guys, <laughs> but I'm just curious to know like what how how has that changed since you've taken on the this formal role as as an ordained? You know, how, what what influence or or what do you get from the
3: lay sort of leadership? I would really say that you know, people sometimes ask. Uh, priests, especially when I was newly ordained what's what what's been the greatest surprise? And I would say my greatest surprise, and don't want this to come out the wrong way, but my greatest surprise is just what a treasure it was to find deep fellowship and communion with with lay friends, mm-hmm. you know, uh, especially on a peer level, that was a beautiful gift. Uh, but um, of course, there's something about a priest's life and a priest's experience uh, that a lay person just can never fully understand, you know. Um, and so there's going to be some things, there's some communion that I can only have with priests, right? That can't share everything. Uh, but nevertheless, um, <clears throat> when I've been in situations uh, when we're able to have just real, authentic, honest, you know, sh- sharing and prayer and conversation uh, with lay people who are seeking Christ, mm-hmm. I can just say that's just deeply, deeply refreshing and encouraging, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the vocations are all complementary, right? So when I see yeah. marriage being lived wholeheartedly, when I see religious life and sisters or brothers being lived wholeheartedly, it just fires me up, and, and it's a huge source of um, encouragement.
0: Yeah. You know. So how many how many other brother priests do you have right now in your?
3: Right now, course. just one, uh, just one. He's a very uh, good <laughs> <Exactly>. close friend. <laughs> Don't worry, dude. If you're listening, and you called you him a great my co-pastor. Here. I think he'd rather consider me his, his co-pastor. <laughs> and, um, uh, we do have uh, this last past summer. We had uh, a deacon living with us who's in formation, who's interested, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, with the archbishop's permission, one day to to join us. Uh, God's will be done. Uh, there's also a layman currently living with us who is generally discerning and we'll see what happens there but so we've had combinations of three or two three four guys living in the house at, at any given time and the idea is still
0: that you are still pastoring and shepherding a church correct yeah a parish okay, so that doesn't mm-hmm. change no but it's the beauty of of fellowship and and being in that that full-time living situation in other way, you're not alone
3: Right, we're not alone. I think pe- people have said they're attracted to this idea that, that they see us living in community together and sharing a pastoral work together, right? There's something that encourages them in community.
0: So, being that it's so rare now, mm-hmm. were you saying in the early church, like during the time of St. Philip Neri, was it more of the, had that become more of the norm at one point
3: in our church? I mean, I think I'm no historian myself, but I hear historians say, right, <laughs> that I trust. <laughs> It had been much more than norm in the past that priests would live together, right? Mm -hmm. Even the first half of the 20th century in the American church, priests were predominantly living in communities Mm -hmm. uh, with one another because there were a lot of priests around, right? Um, uh, But yeah, there are various modes and forms of life for priests to have fellowship with one another. Chris, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Last
1: year, uh, or whenever our first season of, of grip and we were talking about this 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 letter G, you said something that has always stuck with me and I just love the way you said it and, and what it represents. You said, you know, guys, you know, we've got we've got burrs, okay? We were born with burrs. We're all we got all these sharp edges. And we need to be bouncing up against other guys to like round them out, you know, I mean just yeah. to just to just to live in, you know, more smoothly, to, to finish the metaphor. And so I'm wondering, Father, what's it been like, or what do you foresee the value of that same sort of like burr, um, whatever,
2: smoothing, Experience. Sharpening. I mean, it's not even or, just smoothing, or sharpening, right? like, yeah. The scripture isn't like, as iron makes other iron baby but smooth. No, it's like, <laughs> as iron sharpens iron. We're talking about swords and knives, right? Like, yeah. it's to make uh, us, right? It's to make us as sharp and implement as we are meant to be. As most effective as we can be, we need community, right? So, yeah. Yeah, so it's not so just maybe about both, smooth, yeah. but Good yeah. point.
1: So yeah. how about that? Just like, how, I guess, are you... F- forecasting, or maybe what have you already experienced in being, living in an intentional community where those things are either getting sharpened, as Chris is saying, or they're just like, oh yeah, you know what, that's actually, that's probably more the direction I should be heading.
3: Well, right, you know, one of the graces of ordination is that you never need encouragement from others, because you're always just perfectly ready to get up in the morning <laughs> pray. Uh, and pray. Uh, uh, you never have conflict, you know, that's, that's another nice thing. We're always just, always get along in peace and harmony with everybody. Yeah. It's a plug so, for the priesthood. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, I mean, it's really, I mean, it's uh, it's simple question, simple answers. Just like in marriage, there's a lifelong of purification to be had just through learning what it means to love somebody in a committed way, stably <laughs> through thick and thin, even when there's difficult patches, even when you have to learn how to conflict with one another, how to communicate with one another. I mean, it's not quite the same as marriage, but it's there's an analogy there to, to uh, living in a, in a stable way with a brother committed to a common work and a common prayer life. Uh, there's all sorts of daily opportunities yeah. to grow in concrete charity, you know. Um, <clears throat> uh, charity is really just an idea until you have to put it into practice. Yeah. <laughs> with the uh, coffee machine in the morning, or what have you? Well,
0: I, you know, I guess I want to I kind of try to circle it a little bit on, you know, as, as your role as a priest, mm-hmm. and what you see, you know, when you talk about people getting fired up, because I think, uh, I think this is where we have real growth happen when we're, when, we're, when we're fellowshipping as men in a small group versus when we're seeing each other at church on Sunday. I've said this before, maybe people have heard this from me, but you know, at church on Sunday, I feel like we all have our best foot forward, we have our best outfit in uh, on how we doing, I'm doing good, I'm busy, how you doing good, how are the kids, it's very, very fluff. And I think when we get into a group, um, we have a lot more accountability and a lot more realness, because I do believe a lot of us are lonely. I know I experienced times of loneliness, um, and I need that group to uh, to pick me up. So as a priest, what do you, have you witnessed that in the laity of the church of, of seeing what small group effects have done to both
3: men and women in their pursuit of Christ? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in this parish, I've, that was one of the big takeaways I saw in my first two years here, just how I saw people open up and grow and, and really grow quite remarkably in and through church the small group experience, or however you want to put it, you know, like the the uh, opportunities to grow in relationship with Christ in and through relationship with other men, right? Um, you know, on Sunday, something very important takes place, right? We're united with, with Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, right? Amen. And that's a, a that's, I know that's not what you meant. That's not a no, fluff thing at all. No, <laughs> no, no. I'm talking about uh, deep. in here. Yeah. And coffee you know, donuts, yeah, maybe you're for talking For sure, about, yeah. exactly. Uh, Thanks for that
0: clarification.
3: Well, Truly. no, not a correction, but more yeah. like that's one component. We're all united together in a very real way there, and it's very important that we're there with, uh, in the worship of the universal church, united with one another in the body of Christ the church, right? Um, but just as that moment needs to be complemented by personal prayer in our lives to be taken down and received in this deepest possible level so too, our communion with one another in that moment in church on sundays or in daily uh, daily mass for attending there also needs to be taken down if we're truly to receive it on the deepest possible level we need to take it down to a more personal level and that's where i think smaller groups play a really vital role because uh, if that's not fully impacted, we're not really fully receiving uh, the gift that the gospel offers us in terms of communion in Christ.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's one of the most powerful moments of my, I wouldn't say my, necessarily my week, but like uh, we have a Holy Day obligation, you know, and we have this mass and, and um, I'm in my pew. We're right-siders here at Holy Name, so we sit on the right side. and I, <laughs> And I'll look across, and what's interesting is most of the guys... Uh, in my well, I'm in a couples group and most of the guys in the and most of the families in the couples group are left-siders. So I look over there and there's George Lattice and there's Mike Mose, you know, and there's John Parade and there and all well, the hoxies are behind me. You know, like I you know, there's Dave Kohorse, you know, like I can see my group there and it's like this moment of like I I hate. I don't. This is a men's thing, but it was like a moment of like intimacy. Like there are my brothers in Christ. Who we're here to worship Christ together. And though he's you know 200 feet away from me on the other side of church, like um, we're here together worshiping the same God. And there's some there's some fortification in that. You know, there's some there's some building up uh, within me. And I just think that's that's such a beautiful thing. And I I love that interplay. I know it's happened serendipitously, but between our small groups that meet whenever and coming to the, the full communion in mass.
3: And really right. that should make, that really enriches your experience of communion mm. with Jesus, right? There's, mm-hmm.
2: there's something that would be missing if, if uh, that moment was lacking right yeah. And as we, as we grow closer to our other men, like we can grow closer to Christ in that. Like if, if they are, if they, if those men too are also searching for Christ, as we grow closer to them, we can grow closer to Christ together. Right. You know, were you guys surprised at um,
0: when we would we interviewed um, Stefanik? He was talking about the evangelical church. The, the reason they grow is not because of great preaching. It's because of small groups. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very interesting. Did you were you surprised at all about that?
2: I was very surprised. Yeah, I, mean, I, I thought it was interesting, too, that he said Settleback uh, gained 3000 new groups during COVID. Now, granted, that's a gigantic community, and small groups is the culture, and like it's totally normal. But I was like, "What a, that's a man! Huge, why yeah, was I sitting on my couch when we could have been like grouping?" That was genius, you know. Yeah, like, especially with technology so, too. Yeah. I mean we have. I mean, we did. I mean, I did. I I started. We had we had like a gourmet group, and like whatever, like all these different things to see people, at least on a little screen. But around Christ, that would have yeah. been amazing. Yeah. We still. Um, I I have a, a
0: small group Bible study in my office that I've had for. 28, 29 years, and Kurt and Tanner are in it, but we still have half the group that shows up on Zoom. And so technology can still work for good.
2: Well, I can ask you a question about, uh, back to this sort of, I already said the word intimacy, so I'm gonna say it a third time. Um, the intimacy of small group and how, how groups can grow in that direction. I think sometimes, I mean, I've been in some groups before where um, it's all about the study and like, whatever you're studying is really good. Well, one of the things Stefanik said was, the, the study doesn't matter. The book doesn't matter. The whatever doesn't matter. It's really the brotherhood that matters. And I think that's true. Um, but I've been in groups where we never get there. Hmm. You know, we never really share life. We share hmm. Ephesians, and that's great. Like, Ephesians is wonderful. But we end up not really connecting at a deeper, more authentic level. How can groups that are kind of a, sort of at that... Upper level, like grow in depth, right? You know, um,
3: I don't want to be too hard on us as men. You know, I think it's, I think there's something about us as in our giftness of men. It, it, there's some for some reason in God's design, it's a little bit more difficult for us to get right to the level of intimacy. So, you know, it's a little bit really. <laughs> 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 and it's no big revelation, right?
2: Okay, but it's a very manly term. No, but finally, it's, it's oh, it's good, just, yeah. we need to get, good get good there. But, like, <laughs> we,
3: we often do sure. need uh, something a common. Uh, objective end that we're we're pulling for for together to to get to that level of intimacy. Yeah. Um, uh, and maybe we don't want to talk about it too much and use the word too often. <laughs> uh, um, but I think, you know, to your question about you know how do we gradually uh, open up that avenue towards yeah. friendship. deeper sharing, yeah. deeper friendship. You know? Yeah. Um, and you think of there's a great tradition of men talking about friendship in very deep and profound terms. There's nothing uh, unmanly about friendship. It's a, it's a common strength to have friendship, which involves really knowing another person as you know yourself. So that's, that's the definition of intimacy. Um, how do we open up that? I think it really, I don't have any magic formula other than that it just takes one man to, be a little, to take the, the risky step of being a little more vulnerable. Not necessarily like going quantum leaps, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just step by step, you yeah. know, uh, start sharing a little bit more about your struggle, right? A little bit more about uh, your joys, a little bit more about your hopes. Um, uh, and as that happens, more and more men in a, in a certain group feel more comfortable doing that themselves. Um, it just comes down, I think, to that leadership of, of guys to, to want to take that next step.
1: Well, and not to be overly simplistic about it, but, I, you know, Chris, you mentioned it in, in uh, Father's introduction around, you know, God himself is in a relationship. You know, mm-hmm. God himself represents relationship. And when you think of all the different ways that God could have, like, you know, um, come onto the scene 2,000 years ago, he chose relationship to do it. He chose mm-hmm. to, send, to come as his son and father. And so from the very beginning... Our faith is based in relationship. It's not a nice to have. It's not a, hey, you know what? You should really join a group. Like that'd be good for you. They give you a little boost. And so it's fundamental to our faith. And so I'm wondering as as a leader of a of a parish, how, and maybe I don't mean to sound so heavy-handed, but like it's part, it's it's a you know, it's a it's a prerequisite, but how you know, could we be doing the collective we, the royal we? Could we be doing a better job in our catechesis to 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 position groups, to position a relationship as it's fundamental? He's it's, asking, it's how not do,
0: it's not optional. How to do Hebrews know? ten? How do we spur one another? Mm-hmm. I mean, really, is that it's kind of where you're getting at? Well, because it's
1: just it's by design. Like mm-hmm. our our faith by design is in relationship with others. Whether right. you're talking about super intimate stuff or whether you're Getting through Tuesday, you know, it's like, it's just part of our faith.
3: Finally, it's a very Catholic thing, right? (laughs) Um, Catholics know this, that we can't really know Jesus apart from his friends. Mm. Or at least if we try to know him apart from his friends, we're not going to, it's going to be incomplete. Yeah. Right? Mm. So that's why we have the saints as part of our spiritual life, right? Something's missing if we don't do that. That's why we have Mary as part of the spiritual life. Something's missing if we don't have her in the picture. It's why we say the church is an integral part of salvation. Mm. We can't be united with Christ without also being united with one another, right? And the moment we receive Christ in the Eucharist, we're also intimately united with one another. Whether we like it or not, it's just true. If Christ becomes the deepest part of me upon receiving communion, then I, I share the deepest part of me with everybody else who just received communion at least those who did it with, a, with an open spirit, you know? Yeah, right. um, and that reality, if we just reflect on that as a feature of hardcore orthodoxy, hardcore manly orthodoxy, <laughs> 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 should drive us and reckon, and kind of impel us to realize that in our lives in some concrete way, yep. right? If we really believe that, then we're not being true to ourselves fully if we're not finding ways to embody that in Amen. concrete relationships Amen. so i think there's a lot that can be unpacked there
2: yeah. well said yeah well said i think i think big picture culture change wise um right now at least in our little corner of the world it's normal as men to go church alone now we got a room full of people who are in groups i know like But you might be listening to this, you might be thinking, oh, it's like, I'm not in a group. Like, I don't know any, I don't know how to do that. Like, the normal thing right now is like, you don't want to be a weirdo. That's one of those guys that really likes church, you know, like, and I think we need to flip that, right? We need to make it the normal thing that if you're an adult, you have a a smaller faith community that you meet with. Mm -hmm. Uh, And John Paul II called us to that. Um, I think back in the 90s, you know, like that this calling for this rise of small ecclesial communities, small church communities that um, that we we enter into these relationships and that it be the way that we have authentic community in such a big place. Yeah. You know. So. All right.
1: To to bring us home here, Father. So let's let's go. Let's get back. We're going to we're going to ask you a question about your specific situation uh, there at the oratory. So you're gonna spend the next few years, or and I don't know, like with this, do you sign up for like, is this like a 12 year gig, or is this kind of an indefinite, we're just gonna kind of do this oratory thing until it like, you know, whatever. So so I guess the, part of the question, this is all part of a very long question, is is how, like is there a term on it? Like is there, you're gonna do this, and it's gonna be done, and then if so, I would imagine, this is the leading part of the question, that this experience is gonna stay with you forever. Like even if when you go off and do your next thing, I have to imagine this experience is gonna be something that will be with you personally and, and part of how you're gonna lead for the rest, of your, the rest of your vocation. So maybe the first part is like, tempor- like temporarily, like all right, are we on the clock here? No. And then secondly,
3: how's, how, how's it gonna influence you as you go? So, the idea of an oratory is that it is something stable, mm-hmm. something that is founded to be permanent until the Lord comes again, right? So, one of the sayings is the oratory gets to plan in terms of generations, not just a five year plan, because yeah. uh, uh, the community carries forward something stable and that's something that's attractive. So, our hope and, and goal is that if the Lord blesses us, if He does this work, uh, we'll grow into a stable community that can just be planted where we're at in our, our nest in St. Paul uh, and, live and try to live and embody the charity and joy of Christ there, right? Mm. Well, that's up to God, yeah. right? And us, our response to his call, of course. Uh, but certainly there's no time of living in community with others that doesn't shape us. I mean, yeah. We are, it's written into our DNA as human beings, we're shaped as people for community, and we're shaped by community. Yeah. So, yeah, certainly, whatever goes forward, this is going to shape who I am as a priest.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a great example. Uh, it's a great example to, to learn about, which we've mm-hmm. been peppering you with questions here. Uh, but it's also, I think, for all of us to now apply those principles and and just what you're doing, and not think that it's for these, you know, sort of the uh, the ordained and now on easy street, few. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's for all of us uh, to
0: to apply it to our lives.
3: Indeed, and you know,
0: it, it just. I, I just wanted to go back to one thing. I know we're going to land the plane here and, and move on, but I when you were just saying it, there doesn't have to be an agenda. I was drawn to this verse this morning of just. It's one of my favorite verses, and it's it's uh, when the transfiguration when that little small group got together. <laughs> And I just loved Peter's words of, it's good for us to be here, Lord. And that, to me, is uh, maybe it's a good takeaway for us to, uh, you know, a group doesn't have to have an an end game. It's just good to be in the presence of other men. It's good to be in the presence of Jesus. And uh, it's been a blessing to have you here back in in your old uh, stomping grounds as well. So it's good for us to be with you.
2: How good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell in unity. Amen. What's interesting about you referenced that story is, what does Jesus say next? Pack up the tents. We're going down. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> work. No, we're The reality is the next step. Yeah. So we go to group, not for ourselves, right? Exactly. Like mm-hmm. that we get to go and enter, re-enter the mission field because while we're here listening to this, you might be listening in your car, you guys sit in front of me. There's a million men out there who don't have this. Mm-hmm. That's and, where my heart and, and, is. And don't that. have, don't have that group. That's went to the mountaintop together and we gotta, we gotta get them because, yeah. um, yeah, that's our mission. That's what we've been called to do.
3: Just one last thought on that. I just heard another fine uh, exemplary man speak to some of the college students I I, uh, serve at the University of St. Thomas, and one thing he just said was communion, community, breeds mission." right? When men, not just men, but when Christians, but men in a special way, are, are tightly bound together, that drives apostolic mission, Right? And conversely, common mission deepens communi- communion. Yeah. So they they feed into one another.
0: Yeah,
1: amen. Sure. All right. Well, uh, before we pack up our tents uh, tonight and head down, Father, can we uh, can we put you on the spot for a final kind of blessing uh, for us tonight uh, as we as we head off on our on our way?
3: Sure. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Father, we praise and thank you. Uh, For the call that we receive in Christ your Son to deep communion with one another, for relationship, for unity, uh, for a common strengthening and sharpening of one another in the Holy Spirit, we thank you that you sent your Son uh, to establish this communion on earth in your church, and we beg you that you'd send out your Holy Spirit upon us once more in our times, in our place. Uh, that we may respond to that call afresh, that we may be deeply bonded together through our communion with Christ your Son, that he might lead us deeper into uh, the life of joy and charity that you call us to in the life of apostolic witness that this world so desperately needs. Mm -hmm. Father, as you send your blessing down upon all of us here gathered, you who are Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for coming out tonight. Thank you, Father.